Hello, everybody. It is the weekly Big 12 roundtable. We've got some serious news. The NCAA says you don't need divisions anymore. You can pick your teams, the conference championship, any way you want to. So we'll break it up, the big, the new Big 12, and see where uh, we think the teams should be slated. Divisions, pods, no divisions, nothing at all. That's coming up next. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, hello, I'm Josh Neighbors of the Locked On Big 12 podcast. If you are watching here on YouTube, uh, to my left, there is Drake Toll of Locked On Baylor. To his left, that is Jake Hatch of Locked On Cougars. Below him, it is Stephen Simcox of Locked On Horn Frogs. Then to his right is Emery Lida of Locked On Texas Tech. So, boys, big day today. We got some news that the NCAA, a couple things, actually, uh, but the big one is the Division One Council that's oversought by some other committee. It's probably oversought by some other committee. Basically, the new rules are this. You do not have to have divisions anymore to uh, to decide who your two teams are representing you in the conference championship. This was followed up promptly by the Pac-12, like literally moments after it was announced, saying that they are scrapping divisions. Um, Steven, when you saw this and saw the Pac-12 being like, yeah, we're good. We don't need divisions anymore. It's interesting because I guess they'll still be playing their divisional schedules that are already preset this year, or I guess their divisional oriented schedules that were Mm -hmm. preset this year, but new rules, uh, and the Pac-12 kind of responded immediately. And I guess a lot of more leagues are, are probably expected to follow. Yeah, I mean, I think this opens up a lot of different options and um, it gives these different conferences an opportunity to sort of establish an identity. Uh, I didn't really honestly know people felt so strongly about, you know, nixing divisions. Like I understand from the standpoint of there are cases like in the ACC, you know, we've seen the Coastal be down for a long time where, uh, you know, two, you know, two best teams don't necessarily make the conference title game because you have these division setups and you could end up with a eight and four and nine and three team. Um, in a Power 5 championship game. But I I like the idea of pods, um, which I know we're going to talk about a little bit later. Uh, It looks like the Pac-12 and the ACC are jumping on this pretty quickly. The Big 12 now expanding, I think, has a lot of different options to start with a clean slate. But, um, yeah, it it makes for some intriguing, you know, opportunities in the coming months as we ramp up towards football season to see how teams – try to uh, make this more advantageous for themselves as far as qualifying for the playoff. Yeah. Emery, I'll ask you uh, about this. I mean, you see this news and you, you got to think like, okay, the big 12 has got not a situation on their hands. I mean, they're fine right now because they already do the non-division round Robin thing, but they've got to go from 10 to 14 to 12, probably most likely. So would you think they're going to have multiple solutions uh, or just kind of do a one, you know, uh, are they going to do something different basically when OU and Texas leave than what they do when they're still there? Yeah, I think the way to go about it would be to kind of create a flexible setup to where you have, you can kind of fit OU and Texas into either a three or a four pod system. And I mean, you're going to have an uneven number. It's just kind of the nature of having a 14 team conference and sort of the way that alignment works when you have, when you're having two guys that are leaving after one season or two teams that are leaving after one season. And I mean, you look at it and I feel like 
once you get down to 12, it's a lot easier to kind of balance the pods out and sort of create either three pods of four, for example. And I feel like the Big 12 is going to have to kind of sort of plan out for that because you don't want to be making these decisions last minute. And so you can kind of plan ahead for the conference without OU in Texas and then sort of find ways to fit them in into the first year. And I think the one of the good things about a potential pod system is just how flexible you can be with those groups. I mean, when you're still going to be playing most of the teams in the conference and you know that you're going to have that opportunity, then having those 14 pods, for example, doesn't really have as much of an impact as the divisions that you would have seen a few years ago where you had a 12 or 14 team conference and where a team ended up in the division kind of set the stage for their scheduling for the next three or four or five years. Like, I feel like because of the pod system, because of how you're kind of divvying it up into smaller groups, it's not going to have as much consequences as larger groups would have. And so in that case, like the addition of Texas and OU, I mean, obviously it's not ideal from a logistical standpoint, but I feel like they'll be able to work through it. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that's like, you know, it's going to cause like some, some team might miss some team more often than we thought they would, but it's going to get evened out in like two years. I I think that's the big thing there. Um, Drake, I'll ask you, would you, if if you are whoever the new big 12 commissioner is, if you had a 14 team league, just to ensure that OU and Texas could not play in the championship game in the last season, which I think is not like, it's funny. Like, you know, I laugh at it when I think about it, right. But it's not an insane thing to think about. Would you just do divisions for that one year and put OU and Texas together? I think it actually is insane to think about. I, I don't believe the Big 12, whoever it is, it'd be a petty move. Granted, the move out of the Big 12 is petty by these two universities. I'm not sure the Big 12 would go as far as excluding them from the Big 12 championship. Uh, maybe they do go divisions. I was having a conversation you know, earlier today with Jake, actually, on, on Locked on BYU about how in, in this scenario, look at the Pac-12 in 2019, okay? Their championship game was number 13, Oregon, number five, Utah. If Utah wins that game, they've got a shot at the college football playoff, right? Mm-hmm. What shoots them down is this conference championship game. So I think what you're going to see more likely than excluding OU and Texas from a conference title game is not having a conference title game, period. Look at Oklahoma State and Baylor this year. If Oklahoma State goes out there and beats Baylor, they've got a case for that fourth spot in the big tw- in the, in the college Wait, football Wait, hold on. You think, you think the Big 12 is going to go with no conference title game and why would you have a conference title game? What, what Why would point? you not going to make you a ton of money? What's the oh, okay? Oh, you know what's yes, going to make, more money? Okay. Gonna make more money? What's going to make more money? A college football playoff oh, appearance or a conference title no, game no, but where you're, you're excluding teams from the college football the playoff? The television contract stipulates you have a conference title game. I'm pretty sure. What about a conference? Ti- what about a conference title playoff? Ah, you, now oh, we're talking about the oil. The four team one. Now yeah, everybody's gotten. Four, Honestly, four teams, two semifinals, one final. Makes I smell more it. Money. It's, it's, I smell it's, money. Actually, it's actually a lot more money. It would actually make a lot of sense. It, but it's even more money if Oklahoma State makes the college football playoff yes, in lieu of them losing to Baylor, being upset by Baylor. Granted, they wouldn't have made it in anyway, but had a Cincinnati you know, lost their championship game and somebody, I don't think Baylor would have been the next team. I don't think Oklahoma State, after a loss, would have been the next team. So your your conference championship game so many years is just shooting these teams in the foot. So why do it? At this point in college football, it's just about making the Final Four. So why not take out all the barriers that keep your teams from your league from getting there? I would say because there's not going to be a Final Four for much longer. Uh, all right, Jake. So I'll ask you this. BYU fans, you have to be thrilled because this probably, I mean, 
the lot the loss of divisions basically guarantees that like they're going to be able to hit the circuit. They'll be able to hit the town, if you will. They'll get to see everywhere and play everybody, and it's kind of a uh, you know it's kind of removing that barrier, and it's you know you get to you get to see the world, I guess, in a way. But yeah, and BYU fans for the last decade plus as members of the uh, being an independent program have been all over the country traveling right. to all different schools, seeing these games, and they want to see the depth and breadth of the Big Twelve. Uh, me and Drake, we did a crossover edition with Baylor and BYU, and I, I talked about the fact that the biggest thing for me with this with this new system, whether it's pods, whether you go to a, kind of a modified what the ACC is doing the three five five model, where you rotate through those schools on a uh, three year rolling basis, essentially. You need to make sure that these teams are playing each other regularly. You don't want to have what the SEC has had for many years where you can have teams not play for a decade plus. You've got to have a regular rotation, it feels like, across these teams. I'm okay with BYU going to UCF and UCF vice versa coming all the way to BYU or going to West Virginia. There's a lot of travel in this conference because it spans three time zones, but I do think you need to make sure that each of these teams gets an opportunity to have their fan bases interact with one another by playing pretty regularly if not within a three-year cycle maybe two years they need to play on a regular basis yeah i got to work with aaron murray that was was one big you know complaint about when he played at georgia it's just like you didn't get to travel places a lot you know he didn't you had yeah and he even lamented he's like i wish we could have gone to the swamp right like even like making that you know in in some senses like you know those back and forths um all right quick word from our sponsors then we'll then we'll get our fingers dirty and do this thing uh, okay, today's show is brought to you by Bet Online and BetOnline.net. You guys can go there today and bet on who will win the 2022 Big 12 Conference. They have odds for that right now. Uh, starting to put some odds out as well for particular games coming up in the 2022 college football season. So go check that out. Bet Online and BetOnline.net. But they got the NBA playoffs. They have the NHL playoffs. Uh, if you want to bet on those bunch of jerks, the Carolina Hurricanes, you can do that. Now at BetOnline and BetOnline.net. Go to BetOnline today. It is where the game starts. Are right, we lost Steven. We'll see if he comes back. Uh, hopefully he does. So, guys, let's discuss the – the. are we all on the idea of like pods makes the most sense, right? At least for the 12-team Big 12. And the pods in the sense of, look, you have three teams that are attached to you that you play every single year, all right? Then – you have there's two other pods of four teams and you play three from each of those pods. You skip two each year. That way you're, you know, making sure that you're playing everybody in the pods pretty evenly. You can rotate it. It's pretty easy to do there. And you can try to maintain slash manufacture in the case of the new Big 12 some rivalries. Does anybody have any um any anything against that? Drake, do you have anything against that? Anything against the pods? I'm a pod guy. I'd consider myself a pod guy. Well, you're a podcaster, so you got yeah. You, have, you are a podcast. You are a pod guy by virtue of that. Jake, do you have right any? Now. Jake, do you have any? I so the funny thing about this is I'm I'm okay with the pods if it's going to be the 12 team format. I yeah. I look that the ACC model where they have that three five five with the 14 team conference. If this is going to be a 14 team deal for however long with Texas and uh, Oklahoma, I'd actually try and adopt that three, five, five model for however long it's going to be. And maybe it spurs them to add two more teams when those two schools do depart, whether it's Memphis, Boise state, USF, you get back to that 14 team model. That three, five, five setup is actually pretty advantageous. I feel like, cause it makes sure that, that I'm all about that rotation and having a pretty set rotation. Right. is a good thing in my, in my world. Yeah, it's just the one thing the Big 12 will have to deal with, right, is just the, the lack sure. of one. Yeah. Um, 
Emery, you're cool with the pods, right? You, think you, you just I'm, said you were pretty cool with them too, yeah? Yeah, I'm cool with them. I think that it could be worth exploring a potential like four-pod system where you have four four pods of three, and then that would open up some potential title game opportunities where you have like you have like one – you play two of the three teams from each pod, obviously the two in your own pod, and then you have one wild card each season that rotates every year. Um, I think that would be a good system. But in general, I'm a fan of the pods, like I mentioned, and what – like I think might be something that's worth noting is when you have Oklahoma and Texas in the conference, it's going to be a little bit logistically difficult to even out the pods. Um, yeah, it's 14 but, teams. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so at that point you might have to, you might go with a temporary division or it's like two divisions right. sort of deal. But I mean, I think long-term utilizing the pod system is going to be good. I'd, I'd kind of like to see though, for the one season that you have OU in Texas, I wish we could, try out like some sort of like relegation system almost if you're going to have them for a two seasons where you have basically if you have 14 teams you have seven team the top seven teams from year one go over to the top division in year two you if you're in the top seven you have to play each of the top seven that aren't your own school in addition to three of the teams from the bottom division and vice versa if you're in the bottom division and then at the end of the year you have top two overall records as in the upgoing and playing in the conference title. Is that like if- a, is that a joke? Is that like a, like a weird dream that you have that would never happen? Cause it's terrible. Oh, it's you just said you don't want a conference title game. So I'm not sure what you're Emory's I, asking the best team to be nine and three. The goal is to make the playoff, not to kill each other. We're trying to make money here, not die. All right, you want to know what you want to eliminate a title game. You don't want to make money. You're eliminating people. You're eliminating one of the single biggest money money uh, like events they have to make more money in the end. It's an investment. There's no guarantee you're in the playoffs. I'm just saying. If hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's read. Hold on. Do you remember the one true champion Big Twelve? Guess who won? Nobody won. They all tied, and nobody made the playoff. So we already tried that once, and it completely backfired. Completely backfired the big you know what? when they tried it. You make a decent point. Yes. There, so I'm not sure what we're talking about with fine. that. Fine. All right, fine. We have to okay, let's let's good lord. Uh, Steven's gone, but you replaced Steven in terms of drawing my ire this week. Um all right, guys. So uh, the first question I have here's the map. <laughs> all right. Non-negotiables mm. in terms of the pods, all right. What do we think are the non-negotiables, the tenants, really, of our Big 12 that we have to have? I'm actually going to have my, my pad out here and write these down. Uh, all right, so our non-negotiables. Okay, you guys see the map right there. Emery, I'll go to you first. What is one non-negotiable you have? TCU and Baylor have to be in the same pod, regardless yeah. of anything else. I think that, T- okay, TCU and Baylor and Kansas and Kansas State, I think are the two where there should be no world where they're not in the same pod. Okay, Drake, do you agree with the first one? And also, do you have anything else? Uh, yeah, I think Baylor TCU from a, a rivalry standpoint, B geographic standpoint, 100%. And I think if I'm going to add one in there, you could make the case for UCF West Virginia, obviously. I think UCF Cincinnati, no question, will both be in the same pod. And I don't think that's so. Be this right. is interesting because I've heard uh, so I this is the this is not the first time I've heard somebody say that there's it's weird. People want to tie UCF to West Virginia. More they want more than they want to tie West Virginia to Cincinnati, which is odd yeah. to me. I've heard a whole which I'm not opposed to. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying I'm, I'm against it, but I think West Virginia and Cincinnati have to be tied because we know that West Virginia, in terms of 
land. Now I know it's, it's beginning to change some, but like in terms of landlocked schools, uh, conferences, nobody does more traveling in a conference than West Virginia, right? They are the, the right. I think year in and year out, they're the most well-traveled school. So I would say West Virginia and I mean, look, I think whatever happens, I think West Virginia, I think Cincinnati, I actually think UCF, I think all three of those end up together. I have a tough time seeing a world in which you split those, Jake. What do you think? I was going to say, I was going to modify it a little bit. I was going to say those three schools in the Eastern time zone, they've got to be tied together because that allows you to TV stuff. You can work with that. Uh, So I'm in agreement with the ones you guys have already stated. I'd like to see BYU tied in with the Kansas schools and Iowa state, just kind of be that Mm -hmm. Northern branch, if that makes sense. And, if whether it's a three team or a four team pod, I just I think that's probably the easiest tie in. I know that there are BYU fans, and I've heard it from them saying that they want to see BYU tied into Texas and be playing there. But you're going to be playing there. You don't necessarily need to be tied in via a right. pod into Texas because those schools that are in Texas keep them together. Houston may be the one that's kind of the odd person out in this circumstance where they probably get moved over to a pod with UCF, Cincinnati, and West Virginia, but. You're a newcomer. The old the old guard gets to do what they want to do in that regard. But I just I think the BYU needs to be tied in with that the Kansas schools and Iowa State to kind of create I guess that northern part of the of the pod system. Yeah, I mean the way that you could do this, you know, I would say the first. So with that, because I like kind of like that section of the country, but that's not that's not like an insane amount of travel. I mean, you know, it's two states away from Iowa State. It's one state away for Kansas. So what you could do is looking at the Midwest, Iowa State in this kind of Midwestern one, ISU, KSU, KU, and BYU. A whole lot that's the U League, right? Uh sure. everybody's everybody is there in that one. Oh, my page says unresponsive. I'm not sure why it says that. All right, hopefully we're still good. You guys still hear me okay? Yeah. All right, good. We're rocking and rolling. All right. So I think we're good on that. Okay. Um no, oh, no, my page is not. Um, it's not responding at all. Okay, so you just can't see my. I can't see anybody's face. All right, the next thing. All right, the next thing we have would be those three schools in the Eastern Time Zone. So UCF. So uh, also there with West Virginia and Cincinnati, Cincy together. Now, who do you guys think for a fourth team that we should tie in there? I say and I, I think Houston and Eastern Texas yeah. is probably the most likely one. So Houston, as a anybody else? It's either Houston or Oklahoma State. I can't see why you would choose to break up Tech, TCU, and Baylor just from a geographical standpoint. Like Houston, obviously it's not ideal from them. The one concern I have with that is that they're going to have probably more travel than anyone else in the conference on average outside of maybe BYU. But that's kind of a necessary evil just with like anyone you put in that spot's going to have the same issue. And I think they're kind of the lesser of the evils in that sense. And that would leave you Oklahoma State, T- uh, Texas Tech, TCU, and Baylor. So when I tell you guys, I'll give you give them to them one more time as my thing is just completely decided it does not want to cooperate today. Uh, Iowa State, Kansas State, KU, and BYU. There is one. UCF, West Virginia, Cincy, and Houston, which I love that one, to be honest. I'm a huge fan of that one. And then Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, TCU, and Baylor are your next one. So I would say, guys, like with all of those, I mean, those are all competitive. 
and you can see him right here. Yes, Houston does get shaft for the travel. Um, I'll tell you what, though, all of those old guard Big 12 schools getting the short stick, uh, you know, the, the short straw or the long straw, I guess you could say. Uh, the Oklahoma State boys, they don't have to travel at all. Oklahoma State, TCU, Baylor, and Texas Tech, basically no travel for them, right? If, if you kind of do that. But it kind of gets to what Jake said, right, about that. Like, that's a pretty good position to be in. So, um, you know, how does that sound to all of you guys? What are you guys, your thoughts on this? We just said. I, and I know it's kind of odd. I, I think you're almost more likely to see Houston play into that and you'll have a here's here's what I think about here's what I think's wrong with that if you put three of the new four in the same pod together right I think you're kind of you're you're playing with fire there because you're trying to integrate these group of five teams into being a power five in a power five conference can you do that by putting most all of them in the same pod I don't think the Big 12 would move that direction because you want them to be the big dogs right away. It's not like, a, okay, there, there's the, that pot over there with West Virginia, who already is like that just kind of fringe team in the Big 12. You're like, hey, where did you come from? Yeah. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a, let's just connect the dots to an Iowa State, to a West Virginia, Cincinnati, who are all pretty linear right there. And then you throw UCF and give them the shaft instead well, of Houston. Here- Here's the problem with this, though. Here, so here lies the problem. You either go with Iowa State, right? That's that's the one you could pull, and I, I suggested that earlier, right? Mm-hmm. You do that, or your other option, really, to be honest, is Oklahoma State, right? Your your three options because we already mentioned, right? Well, we can't split Kansas and Kansas State, right? They're together. Yes, we know Cincinnati and West Virginia have to be together. We know we want them with UCF. So you're so if you want to pick there's there's three schools really that for geographical sense to make this work it's either Oklahoma State it's Iowa State or it's Houston those well, are the three teams really that you could pull off that would make sense so if you in my opinion if you're going to adjust it, if you if you don't want the three debutants together I think you do it with Iowa State they're the furthest east of mm-hmm. that group and I they're agree. probably naturally yeah. And then you probably pull Texas Tech over into the pod with BYU and the Kansas schools, make kind of a Western branch in that regard. Then you go Houston, Baylor, TCU, Oklahoma State, right up that I-35 corridor and call it the I-35 pod. Uh, I think that's probably the best bet if you're going to adjust it because of the new schools coming in. I I would actually flip Tech and Oklahoma State, and the only reason why is I don't know if you'd move one team from the state Maybe so, and not just have a Texas pod. I think they they'd be more. I, but, apt. but the big question is: Do they want to have a Texas pod? Ah, uh, is mean, it more recruiting? Well, Emery, Emery, yeah. Emery. Do you, what do you think? Yeah, I mean the alternative. The problem with the alternative there is then Tech is getting put in a pod with three schools that they objectively don't have much history with, like right. at all. Whereas, like, I'm just saying, like from an I, you know who love a Texas money pod? Houston would love that. Houston oh, would yeah. love. Houston would be all over. They're that. like, let's we get all of our cracks and all of our recruiting rivals right <laughs> off the bat. Please line them up. Let's Perfect go. Perfect opportunity. Perfect but opportunity. I just think like on Texan, like that would be. There's no great way to do that because one of Tech, Oklahoma State, or I guess Iowa. Well, Iowa State C has that, but then they're also going to be if you want to keep two only two of the newcomers in one pod, then you're going to have to use one of the Iowa State, Texas Tech, Houston, or Iowa State, Texas Tech, or Oklahoma State. I mean, I think in that case, the best option is to go with Oklahoma State on the north op- or with the Kansas, Kansas State, BYU, and just move Iowa State to the newcomer with Cincinnati, or Cincinnati UCF and um, West Virginia, just because 
like from a from tech standpoint, like they have almost no history with Kansas or Kansas State. And obviously BYU is new to the conference. Um, you have the rivalries already set in place in Texas. Oklahoma State has similar rivalries, but I feel like they're kind of more balanced. They're already losing their main rival in Oklahoma. So it's kind of it's a little bit more understandable to shift them around. I just feel like the uproar that would happen within tech from tech fans if they got placed in a in a pod with Kansas, Kansas State, and BYU, and the impact that would have on attendance would be maybe enough to shift the discussion on the pod. Yeah. Well, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Jake. Let me add just one quick thing on that. I, I think BYU fans actually would be okay in that scenario with that because they have played Oklahoma State in a Fiesta Bowl way back when. They have familiarity with the Kansas schools. Uh, and the funny thing about this is there's a, there's a junior college, the only junior college in this area in the Intermountain West is Snow College here in Utah. The schools that they more recently have played have actually been the Kansas schools. That's actually the closest JUCO conference outside of California to the state of Utah. So if you want some loose familiarity, yeah, I could be okay with that. It, speaking from the BYU side of things, if you give BYU the Kansas schools in Oklahoma State where they're going to Manhattan, they go to Lawrence, and then they go to Stillwater, I think BYU fans would actually be more than okay with that. I kind of like these. I'll be honest. I kind of like these pods. I mean, I, I was fine with either of those. Um, the, the one that we've come up with right now is actually the one I suggested earlier on the, on, on Twitter when I first sent out the tweet about you know, the map and everything. West Virginia, Cincy, UCF, and Iowa State is your Eastern group, right? I think it's a pretty balanced pod. All right. And, and look, I know the balance of the pot doesn't matter, but like it's just thinking, I'm just thinking about it that way does make it easier. Houston, Texas Tech, Baylor, and TCU is also a very balanced pod, right? That gives you BYU, Oklahoma State, Kansas, and Kansas State. Now, that pod I like because I think BYU and Oklahoma State, like that is actually a game that I'd love to watch every single year. I think that's like one of the games that you can basically chalk up to being a reliably good game every single year, irregardless of, of, of location. So I think those pods provide you with some of the best matchmaking you're going to get. Like Houston against any of the, any of the Texas schools I want to see BYU, Oklahoma state. I want to see West Virginia, Cincy. I want to see West Virginia, UCF. I definitely want to see um, Cincy, UCF. I want to keep rolling. And then Iowa state versus Cincy, I think is really interesting too, because I mean that, Matt Campbell and, and Luke Fickle. Yeah. That's kind of pretty interesting, at least off the bat. So I think this provides us with plenty of good options. I know it's simple. And once again, on Twitter today, shout out to everybody out there who, who responded. A lot of your, a lot of your folk, uh, Jake, the BYU folk were awesome responding to that. So just shout out everybody out there who responded to that. There are a million ideas for this. Right. That's the cool thing about this. Like this is a fun conversation we get to have now. And for the next. It, it's going to be an, it's going to be an ongoing debate and that's the fun part about it. And it, yeah. it will be interesting. The nice part is I think that from the BYU perspective, I, I can speak for the new schools coming in. They're just excited to be part of the quote unquote big time. They're excited to be in the power five and have an opportunity to compete with the big boys. So I think that's going to be a fun, fun deal. Emery thoughts. Yeah, I think in general, like putting together pods, there's a lot of good options out there. Like, I mean, whether it be putting, for example, BYU with Oklahoma State and the two Kansas schools, I think you're going to have a really good sort of budding rivalry there between Oklahoma State and BYU. I think obviously keeping the Cincinnati UCF thing intact. And then, I mean, personally, I'm excited to see a pod with all Texas schools possibly. I mean, we've seen Houston go in the non-conference quite a quite a bit against Tech lately. Obviously, you've had Baylor and TCU now for almost a decade in the conference. You've got quite a lot of rivalries already going there. And so, I mean, I think that a, there's a lot of new opportunities within the groups. And I mean, 
there's multiple different ways you can go about this, but certainly as someone that as a team has kind of been in the conference for a while and has kind of been through multiple different regions and obviously doing round robin, I feel like the pod system is a good way to sort of bring in some new new rivalries, integrate the schools together, and hopefully you can have a clean schedule going forward. All right, I'm going to start with Drake here. I'm going to show you guys all the pods that we've created, and then you get to pick which one you think is the best, strongest, or whatever you want to pick. It. Your, 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 categorization, your categorization of the best can be whatever the hell you guys want it to be. So here's number one, the Texas pod. Houston, Texas Tech, Baylor, and TCU. Houston, Texas Tech, Baylor, TCU. Pod number two, the Eastern pod. West Virginia, Cincy, UCF and Iowa State, West Virginia, Cincy, UCF, Iowa State. Our third pod, let's just call it the Midwest pod, all right? The Midwest and a pod, whatever. Uh, BYU, Oklahoma State, KU, and K-State. That's BYU, Oklahoma State, KU, and K-State. Drake, first crack. Which pod is the best? Try not to put – well, you know, you actually know what you're going to pick. It's really tough that Kansas had to go in there because I think that one's really strong. BYU, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and then Kansas kind of just mm, tanks the entire deal. You look out out east and UCF, what are they going to bring to the conference? I think Cincinnati's really good, obviously. West Virginia, spotty re- recently. We'll see if they can pick it up this year. The reason that I like the Texas spots, pod specifically is a recruiting. The recruiting base that you build out of Houston, which is being heavily recruited ever more now. Texas Tech, I think Joey McGuire's got a really good thing going on in Lubbock. No bias there whatsoever. Uh, and then Baylor and TCU. I think TCU may end up being the weakest out of this, especially seeing how well Dana Holgerson had his team going last year in Houston. But I think that from a recruiting standpoint, especially, you got a really good basis in the single best state for recruiting in America right here inside the Texas pod. All right, Emery. Okay, I think the Texas pod has probably been the most sort of established from a rivalry standpoint. And so in terms of being fun to watch from the get-go, I mean, you've got Tech versus Houston. You've got TCU-Baylor. Obviously, Baylor's had a lot of success lately and certainly has a really good foundation under Dave Aranda. Uh, Houston, obviously, with Dana Holgerson last year, ended the year really strongly. Uh, And then you've got Tech and TCU, which are both kind of up in the air. So I think that for me, I would probably go with the Texas pod just because of the familiarity and knowing that obviously the Midwest or whatever you want to call it, Midwest and BYU, um, that pod kind of has the weak link in Kansas, which is a pretty massive weak link. And then the East pod, I mean, you've got West Virginia and UCF who are kind of a little bit on the sketchy side of things in terms of UCF has been on a little bit of a down run lately. You don't really know what Gus Malzahn is going to bring to the table. West Virginia with Neil Brown has been very inconsistent the last couple of years. Uh, I just think the, te- the Texas pod probably has the biggest sort of blend between strength of teams and also recruiting base, like Drake mentioned. I mean, you have such a rich amount of recruits in Texas and so many high quality guys coming in every single year that it makes it easier to recruit to the state. So I just think the Texas pod is probably as of now the best, but certainly, I mean, you've got three strong pods. If Kansas ever gets things figured out, I think, the Midwest one has a lot of strength in it as well with three solid programs around them. So it's all, they're all really good pods with teams that have shown success with the exception of Kansas in recent years. Jake, your favorite pod. Well, see, the funny thing is that Midwest title actually works. I think it's the middle of the conference and then out West. So actually, that is true. The Midwest title does. Uh, work. It actually works. I actually it would, would have to be mid hyphen West though. Yeah. Mid hyphen West. Yeah. Mid hyphen West. That's what you have to go with it. But I, so the funny thing about that is I'm of the opinion that if, if Kansas with this new deal where they're going to be able to sign to get to the, the 85 scholarships, mm-hmm. 
I think the Kansas is going to take a leap here in the next couple of years. I, I think that they have got a good coach in place and they actually might take the leap. And the interesting part will be that division with BYU, Oklahoma State, K-State, and Kansas. They have some coaches, I think, uh, that are just um, – how do I say it? Hard nosed, and that's mm. going to make that divisions. I I, I think the battles. If, if this is what ends up being, the battles in that pod could be actually really really good because you have some coaches who got some personality. Kalani Sitake, Mike Gundy, you got Chris Chris Kleiman. I, I I think the biggest thing is is that you have some really good coaches in that division. But the the one wild card I like about that Eastern division is that it is a wild card. You don't know mm. what you're getting from some of those teams. So it could be on any given year, depending on who the coaches are at these various universities, could be interesting. And then just a quick note on the Texas one: the fact that it's the battle for Texas of these teams outside of Texas Tech and Texas that think that they run the state well guess what this is a true battle for the state of texas who's going to control that i-35 corridor and out in the west with texas tech it could be an interesting thing just with some of the old guard the rivalries that exist in that pod but i'm going to pick i'm going to be a homer i'm going to pick that mid hyphen west division this one's for AM. this one's for texas there you go that's all you guys need to know. Uh, all right. I like it. With that, we have a quick word for our sponsors from Built Bar. Uh, you guys can go to built.com today, built.com. By the way, guys, have you all gotten your um, your birthday cake puffs yet? Yes. I mean, yes. how how good are those? Oh, my. Amazing. Goodness. Actually, I'll probably have one after this is over. Uh, you guys can find those at built.com today. They are delicious. And honestly, they taste really good, but you'll be shocked to know 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, seven grams of sugar. Uh, it, they're good. They're not bad for you at all. You can have one before workout. You can have one after workout. You can have one for dessert. You guys can have one really honestly whenever you want one and you won't feel bad about it. Go to built.com today. That's built.com, promo code LOCK15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCK15 at built.com today. That's the last thing, Jake, you mentioned it. We had to touch on it here. The NCAA has changed the rule for scholarships that you're allowed to, I forget what the technical term is, um, but the, the rule the initial, before the initial counter, counter rule is gone. So you can only add 25 new players via scholarship per year that put a lot of programs that were going through things like coaching changes at a deficit. Um, our Kansas Jayhawks have really, I don't know the last time they've had 85 guys on the roster on, on the scholarships, but the problem is if you're down at 40, you can add 25 and attrition in the roster or whatever. Like you, you might not ever get back to 85. Now you can. Now this does bring in some issues with coaches, maybe offering too many kids and they'll hit that 85 and some kid might have their eyes set on a certain school, but be, you know, kind of put out. Now that's happened before, right? That might actually just happen with your 25 initial counters. Now the problem is it might happen later in the game because you know you you're gonna meet that 85 a bit later probably than you meet your 25 right considering the portal considering recruiting considering JUCO all of those things you might hit that mark a bit later on in the game that's my one thing and I thought Bill Connolly brought it up today when we're talking to him about it um, he had said you know usually if something's good for coaches it's usually not player friendly. And that's what he said, because he said coaches and player personnel, people love this. But generally speaking, Emery, this is a good thing, right? Yeah, I think as a whole, it's a good thing. There's going to be a couple of things with the. I think one thing that kind of concerns me is the processing of players. That's something you see quite a bit in basketball, where yes. a coach has 17 players that he's committed to having scholarships for for next season. 
forward bottom end guys are going to get cut out from that. I think, and especially on some of the bigger teams in college football, you're going to see that. But equally, I think this helps out a lot of the smaller scale teams, whether it be in the in kind of the group of six conferences or whether it be the Kansases of the world that are operating at a deficit or that have high roster turnover kind of allows them to bring in new guys and sort of offset some of the potential negative impacts of the portal and the negative impacts of having a depleted roster, whether it be through coaching changes, whether it be through just being a bad program or anything else. And so I think as a general rule, this is a positive. I mean, I think there's going to be some things that arise from this, especially early on when you have these big programs that are going to be bringing in 30 guys every off season. And that means the bottom end of the roster is going to have to look for look elsewhere, but Overall, it's a positive. It helps Kansas. And if it helps Kansas be more competitive, it's better for the conference. And so that makes me happy. And one thing, Dre, we had to mention too, you know, the one story that we heard a lot of this offseason was how many kids were not getting scholarships, right? Because so many high school kids, that is, so many coaches were waiting to see who would hop in the portal. And there were, you know, a, a lot, this is a really big tale you heard a lot. A lot of high school coaches were saying, like, I've got this quality three star kid here who's got nowhere to go and the offers aren't rolling in because all of these places that we have connections with normally are waiting to see who hits the portal. I think you're going to see less of that now. Don't you think? I think 100%. And I think it, it will help in the end because a team can now, it's going to create to me more parity in college football, giving your Kansas an opportunity to win. Uh, it, it also, what's interesting, think about those high school kids. If you had a, a team like in Oklahoma, right, that brings in 12 transfers in one season, and then it's like, okay, new head coach, who are, you know, this high school kid that grew up in Oklahoma City and has the talent to play for Oklahoma or been the 20th best guy is now cut from the opportunity for play, to play for OU. Uh, and so you're giving those guys an opportunity and you're helping new head coaches, with, which I think is great for the sport. And hopefully, to me, I hope what this ends up doing is is giving coaches a, a longer leash. Not necessarily that it's longer from a time standpoint, but also it, it gives you like, okay, here's your opportunity to bring in your guys and as many of your guys as you want, which I think will end up being a decent thing. It could turn it could turn progressively more into the business side of college football, but that's where it's going right. anyway. So why not? Yeah, Jay, I think the I think the one concern is what Emery said. Like, and also too, I mean, the guys who are on the roster already, right? Like those guys who might be going to school somewhere that they really enjoy going, those guys are the ones, you know, after a year or so might get cut because they might, you know, they might be uh, excess, if you will. Yeah. So the, the, the current change in this rule is going to be for two years. Essentially, this is on a trial basis to see how it works. And obviously that's going to allow Kansas to get up to the 85 scholarships. And I'm with, I'm with everybody here. We want Kansas to be more competitive as BYU and these other schools come into the conference. But there are going to be coaches. I'm not. I, I'm. I'm just saying generally. There are going to be coaches who are going to see maybe the bottom quarter or third of their roster and say, "I don't want these guys." They're going to oversign and they're going to do exactly what we just talked about. The bottom tier of their guys are going to say, "Hey, if you want to stay here as a walk-on, you can do it, but we're taking your scholarship." And that is going to happen. You can put it in pen. It's going to happen, and it, it's it's unfortunate, but. The biggest thing is I think the, the net positive of this is allowing programs like a Kansas, if they find themselves in the circumstance that Kansas has been in for over 10 years where they've been playing with 40, 45, maybe 50 scholarship players at the very most, they can get back to that 85 scholarship limit. That's going to benefit them and it has a trickle-down effect on the rest of the sport. It allows some of these high school guys who, yeah, didn't have that spot to play this year, maybe find a spot. 
I think it'll have a trickle down, trickle down effect that is going to be a positive overall. And a big one else, elsewhere too. You'll see walk-ons get scholarships now. That's yes, one thing you're also you're going to see a lot more of too, which will be a positive. Now, once again, you know there are always consequences for all of everything that happened too. So, yeah. like you guys pointed out, those are great points. Um, generally speaking, though, I think this is better. Also, too, there'll be a lot of situations where, you know, teams like Kansas will be able to play scholarship guys as opposed to walk-on guys in certain spots, right? More just bodies who are hopefully at the level that they're playing at. So. Yeah, big day in NCAA news. Uh, guys, plug your stuff. Emery, you're up first. Where can people find you and your work and all of its variety? All right, so you can follow me on Twitter, EddieRacer41, to hear all my tech takes, all my F1 takes, all my sports takes in general. Really sad about the Blazers getting the seventh pick last night. Tough. You can follow the podcast at LockedOnTTU. We keep it simple, just posting podcast links. You can subscribe to our YouTube at LockedOnTexasTech, and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Again, LockedOnTexasTech, best place to be. Drake. Uh, Locked on Baylor at Locked on Baylor on Twitter at Drake C. Toll on Twitter. Last week we had, uh, I'm running this. This is Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Uh, last week we had Big Game Boomer on the show. Go check out that episode. Really, really good stuff. And Jake and I did a crossover as well, talking about Baylor and BYU, the new biggest rivals in the nation. Got to find out by go listen to it. I, I will say Big Game Boomer. It's like the fact that people are like, this list. It's like, respect the guy. Glad he gets all that practice. But marketing like, he's genius. So smart. And also the graphics are like straight out of like 2004. It's like just bl- uh, color and block letters. And people are like, I am fired up about that list with block letters and colors. It is genius. You're totally right. Uh, Jake. Hey, BYU is number one best venue slash setting in football according to Big Game Boomer. So, that hey. It's true. Cougar fans will take that. All right. You can find me, uh, my work, uh, all my thoughts on sports. Jacob C. Hatch is my handle. Locked on Cougars, wherever you get your podcast, YouTube, all the different podcast platforms. And then locked on Cougars on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Really easy to find. Uh, we did lose one Stephen Simcox throughout this. So I'll let you all know. You guys can find Locked on Horn Frogs wherever you all get your podcast. And you guys can find him on Twitter at Simcox. Steven, you guys can find me, Josh Neighbors, at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys can find the show every your podcast and on YouTube as well. All right, fellas, till next time. It's a pleasure.